0: Welcome to the Polymouth Project. Today is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. Happy Earth Day. I don't think we can have a more appropriate guest in conversation on this day than David Hul, who is a mentor, a friend, and an inspiring thought leader, not just for myself, but for other leaders, politicians, all around the world. He's been traveling for the last 10 years basically has living, been living on an airplane until travel got shut down recently to essentially educate us, to open our eyes on the issues not just related to sustainability uh, and the planet, although everything that we do here is related to the planet ultimately, and David shows us that. So it's an honor to have him on, uh, on Earth Day, or as he says, what we need is an Earth century. David, welcome to the project.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. I I think I got to say right at the top watching the intro, the polymath project is the perfect name for where we are in the world. We need to attract polymaths together because all the things that we're facing need polymath type thinking for us to succeed. So great, great idea. I'm glad to be one of the first guests.
0: Thank you. I mean, we've had so many talks over the last 20 years, and I've seen yourself go from being success in, in the business world and on the entrepreneurial side, and then about, what, 12 to 15 years ago, I saw you start to really make a, a conscious shift. And um, I mean, talk about what drove you at that time, you know, um, already being successful in so many ways. What 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 shifted in you, and what what how did your vision kind of take shape uh, 10, 15 years back
1: and and just take us through your inspiration. Well, actually it was back in 2005 and I told you that I was going to become a full-time futurist. And quickly, the reason that I became a futurist is, as you know from my bio, I've always done things that people said wouldn't work or that were stupid. And then they turned out to be the next big thing. So I, I, you know, 1980, I was, the number one sales guy at CBS in Chicago, and I took a 50% pay cut to go launch what became MTV, Nickelodeon, VH1, CNN, CNN Headline News. Of course, cable was at 10% of the audience then, uh, of the country. Cable's not going to work. What do you mean video music? Who's ever going to need a 24-hour news channel? And then in the late 90s, as you know, I was the managing director of one of the very first companies that created online courses. Online courses, that'll never work. Right? So it wasn't until this century that and right around 2005, and I was working with you in the early days of Blue Liner, that I said I wanted to become a futurist. And thank you, because when I told you I wanted to write a, blo- a book, you said, we well, ought to put up a blog. And at that point in time, 2005, I said, what's a blog? <laughs> and so actually, you and I were at a conference in early 2006 in South Carolina. And I launched my blog right around that time. And you actually, so it's called Evolution Shift, right? So you can get it at davidhull.com. But the tagline came from you back in 2005. I said, What's a good tagline? And you said, A future look at today. And it's been the tagline ever since. So, number one, you introduced me to what a blog was. Number two, you gave me the tagline. And then I really, you know, you and your the, the people you're working with then were literally years ahead of everyone else in SEO. So to some degree, my success as a futurist online is because of, of the help that you and you know, your company did literally 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, no, you're welcome. It's always been a great collaboration. And, and so fast forward, I know you've given thousands of speeches around the world to, to CEOs, politicians, different types of business leaders. Um, at this moment, like myself, I know you're not traveling much. Nobody is. Um, fast forward to 2020, This, this uh, what you've titled uh, the beginning of a most disruptive decade in history, and obviously with COVID-19, the
1: first quarter, where are we at right now? So um, as a futurist, uh, as you know, and we'll probably talk about it, in the middle part of the last decade, 2015, 2016, I took some time off to uh, write a book about climate change, talk about it, Spoke to NASA, you know the EPA, and uh, and then when I came back in and set up a nonprofit, when I came back into speaking full time about the general future it was fall 2017, and I realized one of the forecasts I'd made 10 years ago was happening, which was the speed of change was ever accelerating. So I I started to say about two and a half three years ago that the futurist has become the canary in the mine. In other words, it is the reason you see this now is that I realized that it would be a fool's errand for a futurist to talk about the 2030s, the 2040s, because it's all gonna happen now. So um, what you see here is is the first of a series of books on the 2020s, and it is the single most, the first title is the most disruptive decade in history. So basically, I see as a futurist that this decade, that we've just entered is going to uh, chart the future of the century, or at the very least, the next 50 years. How humanity matriculates the next 10 years will ter- determine our future for probably 50 plus years. So <clears throat> the interesting thing as I'm saying now with COVID, as you say, is so you saw that headline, the subtitle, the most disruptive decade in history. So yeah. I've been saying to people, you know, since lockdown five weeks ago, whenever it started, um, so how the first three months of the new decade treating you, right? So um, it really is no surprise that we're going through this. For 10 years, I've been saying, we've got to prepare for pandemics. The thing, war is not going to be the largest killer of humans anymore. It's disease, and particularly pandemics that we're not prepared for, and of course, you know this country's not prepared for it to the lack of leadership at the at the white house but but um uh so what I want people to hear in relative to the polymath project is that everything is has changed. I was saying to somebody I'm obviously an aging boomer um, I was saying to somebody that other than the year nineteen sixty eight this is the most it's the single biggest historical event of my lifetime in terms of profound effect. I mean 1968 of course was was you know hippydom, anti-war, assassination of Dr. King, assassination of Bobby Kennedy and everything went in a different direction starting in 1968. Same thing's going to happen now but it's going to be much more universal, much more global and social and cultural.
0: Yeah yeah and so I mean, where to start with COVID-19? I mean, I think that's a good introduction. Um, I mean, we could focus on the blame and the issues and all the, all the challenges, but what, what, what do we take from this? I mean, what do we take from this scenario? Um, what, what, what's some of the silver lining, you know, if there is any that you see? Sure. And, and uh, <clears throat> what, what advice do you have, you know, for people? Just, you know, everyday folks that are, you know, in, in their quarantine right now, In the US and and other places, but we could focus, you know, take an American view or a global view. Um, What can we do?
1: Let me speak uh, top of mind, three things popped up. Let me address technology, let me address economics, and let me address climate change, because those are the three immediate things that COVID is affecting, okay? So, technology, um, uh, back when I think you were an undergrad at, at Columbia in the mid 90s, I plugged in my laptop to a T1 line for the first time. And for those that don't know it, that was the only high speed way you could get to the internet. So those of us that remember, hey, you've got mail. So when I plugged into the internet with a T1 line, probably 95, I realized the speed at which one could surf the net. And then I half an hour into it, I had this aha moment, which was everything that exists in physical reality is going to have to be replicated online. So the way to think of so just think of the 25 years since then. We buy online, we we communicate online, emails happen, all of this, right? YouTube, Google. So what COVID-19 is, is the acceleration to almost complete that. In other words, we are not doing a live event. You know, we're, we're, we're quarantined. So, so so, the world with COVID has accelerated the move to the screen reality. As you know, I talk about the screen reality and the physical reality, and that the screen reality is where the future rushes in. So you know, resi- so um, uh, retail real estate and retail, physical retail, 10 years ago, I said it was gonna collapse. Why? Because there's something in the screen reality called Amazon.com. So what COVID-19 has done, technology-wise, has brought the world online, virtually, live, globally, real time. So that's the technology part. The economic part, and I'm writing about this, and I think I mentioned it to you, and I'll send you to send out to anybody who's listening to this the link. We've entered a depression. Unfortunately, that's a negative word. There's the Great Depression of the 20th century. So I'm calling this the the First Depression of the 21st century as opposed to the Great Depression. Um, We're at 20% unemployment. We're going to go to 25%. The last time that happened was the 1930s in America. Um, The stock market is going to go down significantly. Um, And uh, I think the global GDP is going to shrink. So this is not, oh, we just got to get through to May um it, it, it is a it is an economic depression in the United States and it will be globally and in the United States and the developed countries there's going to be a lot of issues of, of of reconstruction and rebuilding. The problem in the less developed countries is in India or Pakistan places you visited and know um, there's so many people that live hand to mouth on a daily basis that they can't they can't or they're homeless, or they live some in the streets. They can't go into quarantine. So, so this is going to be a real problem. Um, I was doing some research on uh, vaccines, and uh, we've been told it could be at least eighteen months, and I think that's right. The fastest vaccine uh, in history that's worked has taken four years. So, one of the things I'm saying about the economy is, you know, politicians like to say, "Oh, it's going to bounce back." or we're going to come back. It's not going to bounce back. It's going to bounce forward into its new iteration. The reiteration of capitalism and democracy is now actively going on. And then the third thing, Mm -hmm. climate change, um, first of all, um, is what we know. We're all quarantined and the air is pure. You can be in New Delhi and actually see the Himalayas. You can see clear water in the, in the canals of Venice. You see animals uh, migrating across roads and, and, or, and everything is growing, right? So, so we see that when humans do not go out into the world, the environment improves. You know, basically humans, one of, the, one of the things that is unique to humanity, our species, is we're the only species that creates waste, right? So now that we're quarantined, we have no waste in the air, we have no waste in the water, we have, you know, things, things are fresh, coming alive. So that's the immediate. The second thing is that the only way, and you know I wrote a book called Moving to a Finite Earth Economy last year, which answered the right. question, how do we, humanity, right. um, face climate change? Massive effort. So what COVID-19 has given all of us is a real-time experience at the level of what we're gonna have to do to face climate change. So, yeah, there's the yeah. book. And and yeah. anybody who's interested in climate change should really read that book because it's all about what to do, everything. All this stuff about, oh, is it real or not? We're past that, we're past the age of denial. And this is the uh, website. And the reason I set it up was, you know, climate, people who are in the environment, or they want to save the polar bears, they want to save the rivers, they want to get rid of plastic. But the biggest thing is that we're on a spaceship. So there are no passengers in Spaceship Earth. We are all crew. So what COVID-19 is doing, it's showing us that collectively as crew members, we can scale our activity or lack of activity to really solve global problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I know how important this is to you and to the planet, to all of us. Right. To humanity. And and it's been very interesting seeing pictures and videos of places in the world that are generally highly polluted, um, with, with no pollution, no smog, with animals, you know, coming back out from nature. I, I mean, obviously we can't keep up a quarantine. We'll have to get back to moving and driving and flying and all the things that have created that pollution, but can we take something from this quarantine experience forward now with a little more
1: awareness? Sure, in other words, the way to think about this is, I'll I'll use, so people are doing something they haven't done before. They're staying home and working from home. So what I see happening, if you take the United States, for example, there's about 130 million full-time jobs as of the end of last year. So say 100 million people are working from home out of those 100 million people, there's people like you and me, so maybe 5 million, 10 million have used to work from home. The longer this goes on, the more people are gonna be used to working from home, and the more businesses are gonna realize it's a waste of money to rent all this office space. Let's have people work from home. So I think one of the consequences of this that I'm gonna strongly present and suggest to the world going forward as part of your Polymath project is that, say, uh, you have a company that's got five hundred people well, and you've got hundred thousand square feet. You might only need fifty thousand square feet because all of those five hundred people will only come to work two days a week. All the sales and marketing people will come to work and one day and then you know so so instead of driving to work five times a day, a week you'll drive to work twice a week so yeah. less so so people so that's the only way we can do it i mean we've got the we've got the evidence that we create the problem because the problem has been solved and we haven't been going out yeah. so let's stay with that and one move towards facing the climate change crisis two uh, lower our business costs so for example commercial real estate's going to collapse i know you you're a leader because you've already done that you've already realized so many of my people are working for remote. Why well, have that extra office space that you just got rid of, right? So, so multiply that by 100 million, right, around the world. And so things like that are gonna happen. So the, so the good news is that people understand that the times are different. As you know, I mean, you're a change agent. Uh, the only constant in the universe is change. And I always have to say, as a futurist when I give a talk, Suspend your sense of reality, because reality is transitory. People need to seem to think that, oh, this is the way reality is. No, it's not. This is the way reality is today, right? It's right. different than right. it was 20 years ago, and it's different than it's going to be in two years. Yeah.
0: So basically, the three things that you highlighted from COVID are all, all intersect, right? The technology, the economics, and the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, moving forward, what we can take, what you just described is, you know, working from home more, companies being smart, you know, in terms of less is more, which is good for their balance sheets and their, mm-hmm. their P&Ls. Um, people get a little more freedom, a little more time and flexibility in the way they work. You A little more tech centric, but but also more more conservative in terms of not getting in the car and having to get gas, you know, twice a week. So it, it all kind of, there's a nice confluence and a nice road forward for us
1: there, literally. Yeah, I mean, something about that. Like, so, for example, what I know from having interacted with you for 20 years is you're a night owl. I know that I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to get emails from Armand that he sent at 2 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, at 1 o'clock in the morning, right? So there's people who like that and there's people who are early morning. So why force people, to, whether they're productive or not, to be in a 9 to 5 or an 8 to 10 or whatever it is? you know, have them, have them be productive when they're most productive in the place that's supportive. Right? So yeah. I think, I think pro- productivity is going to go up. But the other thing I want to say is if you, if you look over my shoulder here, there's the, there's the photo, the famous Earth rise from 19, December 1968, where for the first time, we saw from, from above the moon that we we're on a just little blue dot spaceship lost in space. So that's an integrative consciousness thing, right? Hmm. a whole earth that's the only place we have, and then the, the, the right below it is a sign you can't see, but it's called the Edge of Extinction." That was a TED talk I did a year ago this month, actually, um, where you know it was it, it, what's going to happen to the world, And you know we're not humanity might be on the edge of extinction in 50 years, but it's not now. And that's why the 2020s is so important. The 2020s is the time where humanity can collectively, and now we've had this collective experience of unification, which is COVID-19, where we realize politicians are not relevant. Um, There's so many things that are irrelevant, except this is our declaration of interdependence.
0: Hmm. Now that's... That's well said. Well said, David. And I just wanted to share this. I saw you put this blog up oh, yeah, today, Earth Day. Today. I mean, today is Earth Day. So happy Earth Day. But uh, I mean, I know you've been talking about this already, but just I mean, look at this. We went from the spaceship Earth to finite Earth economy to 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 this. So through all these different mediums and mechanisms, you're like hammering home this message and just trying to get through um, so, any any additional thoughts or different different angles or aspects of you know the whole kind of sustainability well, I, I just, movement you, and what we you know, can do?
1: People can go read this, but here's the fundamental point. You know, I'm so sick and tired of oh, let's celebrate Earth Day. So that happened to me. I'll never forget when I wrote the the original column. It was March two thousand and eleven. I was sitting in a hotel I'm in Melbourne, Australia, in the middle of a speaking tour, and I was getting pitched in March because. I'm well-known as an environmentalist. Oh, why don't you highlight what we're doing for Earth Day? And it just, I lost it. I said, it's not Earth Day, it's not Earth Week, not Earth Month, not Earth Year, not Earth Decade, it's the Earth Century. So I wrote that in March of 2011. And then, as you know, my book that, that I wrote in 2012, Entering the Shift Age, I made that a significant concept. It's one of the five concepts, uh, contexts of the Shift Age, in other words, for the rest of this century, this is the Earth century. This is the century where humanity will either learn to live in equilibrium and sustainability with the only place we have to live or it won't.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's profound. And, and as far by the as- way, this,
1: By the way, this thing you're showing here, um, I'm about ready, the, the book is probably gonna come out in, in mid-May, I'm about ready to get a website up for a, a, a book page up for Amazon. But if, if people want to go here, the 2020sdecade.com, they can sign up for early notification for when the book becomes available.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: And that's gonna be book number nine, is it? It's my ninth book. It's the first of what I expect to be at least six, perhaps up to 10 short, rapid succession published books on the 2020. So the next book will probably be on cognitive dissonance. And then it'll be a book on finance and then there'll be a book on reinventing uh democracy and then there'll be a book on the future of education you know subsets of the 2020s but starting with the biggest concepts first
0: yeah so let's just shift on that and i've got the screen up here as well for uh
1: the sarasota institute
0: so let's talk about uh how this you know is kind of the coalescence of all your uh experience i know you Mm -hmm. have some partners and and Mm co-collaborators in this and we see across the top here Um, And some we've been discussing, but the 10 main kind of topics or themes that you'll be addressing. So uh, I guess take us through the format of this. How can people
1: participate? Sure. Sure. So it, it, it started in a conversation three years ago with a guy named Phil Kotler, who is regarded as the father of modern marketing. He, If anybody took a marketing course since 1970, they had a Kotler textbook. And he and I are friends and we both live in Sarasota. And we decided to start a think tank. And then basically, so I had two co-founders, but I'm the managing director. I mean, this is my baby. This is my legacy to the world. It's my legacy to the Gulf coast of Florida. And basically the concept is a 21st century think tank. Most think tanks you hear about are they're left or they're right or they're policy driven or they're corporately controlled. This is none of the above. We are not policy. So if you look at, so then what we did was we said, well, what are the topics that will most affect the future of humanity? And they're across the top: technology, global policy, natural resources, marketing and media, um, intelligence, healthcare, education, democracy, climate change, and economics. So so we we started in January with our first symposium, and you know, a few hundred people called an educated. Uh, person in 2035, future of education. On February 29th, we did a leap year look on climate change. Um, we had to cancel the one on the new health age uh, of the 21st century and the one that's this Saturday on the future of democracy and capitalism. But what I'm now doing with the Institute to make it truly a leading think tank is we're doing some mini symposiums for members only um, that, that are uh, some of these topics through the lens of COVID-19. So for example, we've already done a mini symposium on how will COVID 19 affect higher ed. And then we're doing we're doing one on democracy and one on capitalism on Saturday, because that's when we were going to do it. We're going to do one in a couple of weeks on climate change and a couple of weeks on technology and then healthcare. So another and then we're going to those will be videos for the members and then we're going to publish a, a white paper of that Freedom Members and and um Um, uh, available as a book, you know, so the first white paper uh, on these topics, how will COVID-19 change the world?
0: Okay, that's great. Wow, it's it's a lot. So, I
1: mean, basically what I'm doing is a polymath, you know, in this category, you know, at my age, all I really want to do is to be a thought leader, to write these books about the 2020s, help humanity with them, and then to be the co-founder and managing director of what I hope will be a globally recognized and respected uh, think tank, you know, by say 2022.
0: I think that's a, uh, a, worth, a worthy goal and one that, uh, that you're on track for. I know the symposium you did have before, you know, all the travel stopped uh, was a success and, uh, and you were lining up for another one, what was it, March 7th, which was right. obviously wise to cancel. Um, you know, given the scenario, but uh, I mean, just as you mentioned before, David, people uh, you talk about higher ed, but also just, I mean, I've got a four and a half year old son and he's doing zoom classes, you know, two, three days a week now, which is new for the teachers because they weren't used to teaching little kids through that interface. And, um, and obviously they're missing some element of socialization. So, you know, eventually you want to get back to school and into the classroom. But it's, it's really interesting to see that uh, he is able to engage and learn and participate. Um, and again, with a different type of flexibility, as you mentioned about the workforce, the same goes for students. Not every kid, I was one of those too that didn't like the 8 a.m. class, but if I can schedule when I got to college and I got the chance to right. actually choose when I wanted that class at 8.30 or 11, it was always the 11, one o'clock, even give me a class at night at five or six. I was much happier when I didn't have soccer practice have a night class. So I think that, and I've also got nephews and we've all got relatives, you know, kids of different ages. I've got a nephew at actually at University of Chicago, very highly esteemed school. And he's now doing the back half of his um, school year from home in New Jersey. You know, they canceled everything, sent all the kids home. And um, I haven't gotten feedback from him yet, but I I think they're enjoying it. Um, Kids are getting more flexibility it's questionable to know whether they're assimilating and taking in as much information. And I guess time will tell and will adapt. we'll adapt. I think it's well, great for you know, education.
1: The, the larger issue of that is, you know, it's just unfolding. In other words, I spoke, um, a friend of Victoria's, my wife has a four year old daughter. And of course she's been keeping her home and she's in preschool, right? So finally yesterday she took her to preschool after all the um, the various you know, protocols were put in place. And she said that as she drove up to the preschool, her four-year-old started to cry. And she asked, why are you crying? She says, because I'm finally gonna get to see, and she named her best friend, and I'm gonna get to see her, right? And that struck a chord in me because as a futurist, I've been giving lots of podcasts about what this might mean and what the lasting psychological effect would be. And, you know, I'm an aging baby boomer, and anybody who sees this as a baby boomer, had a depression era parent. And if you came of age in the depression, it scarred you for life. Money for a rainy day, don't buy something you can't afford. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I grew up with that environment. And I think people who are under the age of 40 are gonna be scarred by this in a in a profound way. And what came up when I mean, you're talking about Aiden, and then she was talking about her four-year-old is what are the ramifications? psychologically for Aiden, who's four and a half, 20 years down the line. I mean, when I grew up, when you grew up, the only way you stayed home from school was because you were sick. So now a four-year-old has to stay home from school because of what, daddy? Right? And, And you know, the good news about this is this is probably gonna happen several times. I mean, once we get through COVID, there'll probably be something else, right? I mean, 8 billion people is going to trigger this, right? So we might be; pre- these might. Your son might be the most prepared person in ten years to live full time online, right? I mean, so true. so in 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 college in in grammar school right now, we're training people to live in a virtual world. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So I, one thing I want to say about S- Sarasota. Um, Institute. If you could, if you possibly could put that back up, the the, ER, the URL is sarasotainstitute.global, not dot .com, but yeah. dot .global. And what yeah. people can do is to go there, and if you scroll down that page, you'll see two things. You'll see a place to sign up right there. Uh, no, that's become a member. If you scroll down the main page, you'll see provocative white paper, so you can download that, and then this just sign up so you get emails and we put out thought pieces and, you know, I'm going to change the membership. So it will be, um, you know, online only so people can go online and password and get in and get all the content at a lower price. Um, because that's, that's great. great. Well, what, what is, what is the membership, uh, price or price range right now? Well, the membership price right now is $250 a year per person. And we got a couple, we got about 100 members, the first, you know, which is pretty good, first two months. And, um, but then that was for physical attendance. And I was all along thinking of a streaming so people could go to the symposiums virtually. I mean, we had the first two times we did this in January, February, we had about 15, 500 live streams from 15 different countries around the world. So we're already making a global impact. So I think I'm going to revise it and I'll revisit it with you, so you can let everybody know. But I'm thinking of taking it down to $100 per year, which means you have free access to all the webinar, all the virtual symposiums we do, and the white papers, and and available for for uh, discounted corporate um, um, advisory sessions. Okay, great.
0: So I'm going to summarize for you and for the audience too. So there's three things we really want to do to support, you know, David and these, you know, very important global. Um, projects, essentially, is go to Saras- sarasotainstitute.global and, and sign up uh, as a member if you can, and if you're interested in the symposiums or at least, you know, by email. For the oh, but for now,
1: for now, don't, don't sign up as a member, just sign up for the email. Yeah. Okay,
0: got it. Okay. The homepage so,
1: at the bottom there. Yeah. And, and, secondly, and also there's a download of the white paper. It's our first white paper. So we took each of these 10 topics and, and did an analysis as to what we're thinking about with them. And it's profoundly different than what most people are thinking.
0: Great. So there's a white paper for each or one white paper that covers- There's one white- If
1: you scroll okay. up from where you are in the, on the page, you'll okay. see download- the, You just passed it. Download the white paper. Um, it, it's, a, it's right above the people, I think.
0: Okay, right there. Right there. Right. There. right. Yep.
1: So if you download um, that, it's a free PDF. And we talk about high level of all 10- okay great
0: great so that's one two is you know this amazing series three books actually right finite earth economy right there's three, three well but it's there, one
1: just you bought them when they were ebooks now they're all together that's why it's called the complete okay. trilogy got it so yeah. the trilogy is all
0: here in both e-format uh kindle or paperback right uh, an amazing read very timely uh, strongly advise that and then the third one is just you know to be on the lookout here yeah, uh, for for the newest book and uh, right. aptly named <laughs> the 2020s, yeah. as you know, I've also got you know 2020 Life Vision, which focuses on uh, similar topics and and I guess more so from a from an introspective internal point of view in terms of personal development, but it's all related, right? Because as 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 above, so below, um, and people yeah. making the change internally is going to reflect in, in in
1: the external uh, world here. So I think it's all connected. Absolutely, and I and I. You know, my coming at it from a futurist in the 2020s, and you coming out from the, you know, the the uh, the Polymath Project in the 2020 vision. I mean, it's so aligned because basically this is the 20th century and all its constructs and all its thinking are collapsing, and the 21st century is being written in this decade. So what you're doing and what I'm doing are really aligned. Uh, aligned and integrated, I guess. Um, and it's really, we need to get the message out because so many people are gonna be lost and scared and and open to um, poor persuasive messages, right? I mean, today, yeah. for example, the, the, all the messaging about COVID, you know, there's a, somebody, somebody sends me jokes all the time, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll shut up after this, about, about COVID. And they said, you know what the two boundaries of stupidity are? Canada and Mexico. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have to evolve. And I thank you for bringing me on this one. And, part- and, and I will support the Polymath Project however I can.
0: Yeah, we're going to have more conversations uh, about this and some of the subtopics there. Just as a final leave off point, it's great that we already highlighted where people can go to continue following your amazing thought leadership. Uh, Put a challenge out there for us. Uh, One challenge that you could think of that we can take at this moment as individuals and make a small change, something feasible that people can do to to make a
1: change for the better to contribute to to this vision of yours. Sure. Um, Within the context of COVID-19, what I ask everybody to do is to realize how much you do not need to be part of the consumer economy. Um, We're all living at home. We all have more clothes than we wear, more books than we can read, more anything, because we've gone out and compulsively bought things. And now that we have a, if you will, a month of withdrawal, sure, we're buying online, but the compulsive immediate need to go out and externalize the self in terms of purchasing. If we can cut that down, you know, forget about fashion. Just what's your own fashion? Don't be persuaded, right? In other words, if we can cut consumption by 15 or 25% within this year, it will change, it'll help the planet, right? It will help the environment because anytime you buy something new, it's extracting something from the planet. So number one, cut consumerism. Number two, we've all had time to reflect. So the internal values, who you are, how you think, how you're gonna evolve, we've had time to think about because we couldn't be distracted by the externalities. So I guess a simple way to say that is Let's lessen the impact of the externalities on who we are so that we can evolve and collectively we can change the world.
0: That is profound, David. I saw someone sent out what was a joke, but I thought an interesting insight that at this time we're only allowed to go out and get what we really need and the economy's collapsing. I mean, this is is reality and and we can survive off it. And I think most people are actually happier with the, the greater simplicity that we're learning during
1: this time. There's nobody who is, well, in America, there's nobody who's starving because they can't go to a restaurant. There's nobody who has no clothes to wear because they can't go shopping. There's nobody that needs to buy a new car because they can't go driving. I mean, right? So, So this is a mirror to look into, to see ourselves change, and it's a portal through which to see how we can change individually, collectively, and beneficially.
0: Thank you for those words of wisdom and that challenge, David. We're going to post it and share it and, uh, and invite people and challenge people to, to take it on. So, look, this is going to be the first of many times having you on. Thank you for taking the time. And, um, yeah, God bless. God bless. Namaste, Keep doing
1: Namaste to you, Arman, and namaste to anybody who ever sees this. The, the spirit within you is coming out ever stronger, and it has to.
0: We're gonna leave it off on that note, everybody. There's nothing much further that can be said. I wanna thank David for his words of wisdom and his challenge to us, which I hope everyone takes on. Tuning out for today, and we'll see you all on Friday, one o'clock Eastern, the 24th of April, where I'll be going over my recent blog post on Medium, a message to humanity from the coronavirus what we can learn from this situation and what the silver linings are. We'll see you then. Tuning out on March 4th.